Jan Vermeulen, editor at large at mybroadband.co.za. Have you been, but doing well, Kino? How have you been? Did uh, you have a meaningful Freedom Day? Um, it depends what you mean by meaningful. Yes, it was. I spent a lot of time with my in-laws. Um, it was good to catch up with them. We haven't seen them for a long time, and um, so yeah, I think yeah, meaningful. If that is meaningful, absolutely, that was. <laughs> and you, what are you? What, what were you up to? Yeah, no, mine, mine wasn't n- not meaningful at all, except for you know my own introspection. Um, no, we stayed at home. Okay, brilliant. <laughs> Sometimes it's the best thing to do, right? To stay alive, and, and and most other things, it's always important to to do that. So, Jan, what do you? What's the first thing we start off with today? Sure. Um, so perhaps a place to start is with uh, regulation. So mm. the the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa. Um, the, the industry regulator for uh, all things uh, communications technology, as is implied by the name, um, mm. they put out a document um, just before the long weekend, um, saying that they are they are not inclined to extend temporary radio frequency licenses that have been given to mobile networks as part of the uh, national disaster regulation. So. The, 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 state of, the national state of disaster declared as a result of COVID-19. Part of that is ICASA released a whole bunch of spectrum that's been lying unused on a temporary emergency basis to mobile network operators that, that just had to kind of apply for the spectrum and, and they would get it on a temporary basis. So right now, um, those temporary licenses are set to expire on the 31st of May, so the end of next month. And ICASA says it's disinclined to extend that deadline again. It's, it's been extending it as the mm. state of disaster has rolled on. Um, and uh, so the, 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 the reason or the way to look at this in context and in perspective yeah. is that there's currently an auction process going on, right, mm. where the uh, mobile network operators are – um, meant to or have applied for the spectrum on a permanent basis. They're going to go to an auction to fight out, fight it out with hard-earned money. Uh, who's going to get the spectrum? And there's there's a whole uh, there's a whole process underway, but that process is stalled in court because Telcom and MTN have taken Ecasa to court for differing reasons, um, and uh, the the whole spectrum auction is stalled. Until uh, I, I think at the very least, South Africa finishes its digital migration, and uh, that is only set to be finished at the start of next year. And so that means months that the spectrum is going to be taken away from the mobile network operators before being issued back. You know, as part of uh, after the spectrum auction. That's if the spectrum auction ever happens. But we can maybe have that discussion another time. <sighs> and so this this is pretty bad. And the reason it's bad is that the the networks need uh, and have been saying for a long time that part of the reason prices remain high is because they don't have spectrum. And so instead of just being able to roll out on their existing towers using new spectrum, they have to build new towers all the time, even in areas where they already have coverage. To, to create additional capacity on their networks. And that is far more costly than building on their existing towers. And so, yes, you know, there's a, there's a he said, there's a she said, and then somewhere in the middle is the truth. 
of of the matter regarding you know how much money they'll really save and how much cheaper you know uh, uh, data will really get when the spectrum is released. But I, I think um, you know regardless of where on the uh, uh, which side of the fence you sit on this debate, I think everybody on some level agrees that um, our, especially our top two networks, the ones that everybody loves to hate, Vodacom and MTN, mm. have very little spectrum for the amount of service that they deliver. And so you can just compare them to, to the amount of spectrum that Telcom has, for example. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, like the, the, the fact is that the, the spectrum is desperately needed, and I'm worried that ICASA is trying to kind of flex its muscles here in a show of, you know what, you know, you, you guys want to drag us to court and lock this whole process down, you know, that, that's fine. You have the temporary spectrum now, so you think you can just drag this process out. Mm. We'll take the spectrum away, and then we'll see how quickly you roll around. <laughs> so uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's good on them for doing that, for starters. And second of all, I'm sure Rain is sitting there smiling, because if anybody <laughs> wants to use spectrum, then they're going to have to do deals. And, and the, the other network that's smiling about this, uh, even though they say they're not, is Telcom. Telcom st- stands a lot to gain from a delay in the spectrum auction process. Um, and and we've, we, we've discussed this before on some level, um, yeah. you know, regarding the Competition Commission and its intervention in mobile data prices, driving it lower and so on. Mm. But um, that's been really bad for Telcom. Telcom's only competitive edge in the market was that it was cheaper than Vodacom and MTN. Mm. Its, its network is smaller. It, you know, it's got a, this roaming deal with MTN to, to make up for the gaps, yeah. but that costs, that costs it money. Um, and, and so it doesn't have, a, a, you know, a network with as wide coverage or as good performance. Our, our data that we, that we gather all year round regarding network performance bears that out. Mm. Telcom is, is, is not the best performing network. It, it, it performs well enough if it's the cheapest network in the country, but it no longer is because of the Competition Commission's intervention in mobile data prices. So the Competition Commission only forced Vodacom and MTN to lower their prices because it said Vodacom and MTN do it, the whole rest of the market have to follow. Telcom hasn't really. Its, it's headline uh, gigabyte data price is still at around 99 rand, right? And so this is a huge problem for Telcom because its competitive edge has effectively been destroyed by the Competition Commission. And so you, you sit mm. in this very interesting space where the Competition Commission, you know, uh, too much to everybody's fanfare, um, tackled Vodacom and MTN and said, you must lower prices. And Vodacom and MTN then hatched some kind of deal with a commission, with a tribunal, sorry, uh, lowered the prices and said, cool, you know, this is antici- in anticipation of the spectrum being released. Mm. Now, they got the temporary spectrum. You know, they didn't quite plan on it happening the way it did with the pandemic and so on. But they got some spectrum in the meantime to kind of tide them over. But Telcom was really a loser in that whole process because why would somebody choose Telcom over Vodacom mm. or MTN now when you can get the same data um, and, and a better a network performance? Um, you know, Telcom competes here and there and, and offers better deals here and there. Mm. But, you know, like, the, the, you know, the headline price that you can get is the exact same on Vodacom and MTN as you can get on Telcom. And so naturally, Telcom stands everything to gain 
from dragging this process out. The longer Vodacom and MTN sit without Spectrum, the longer prices, prices can remain where they are, which is good for telecom, right? Yeah. So because telecom is struggling to, to cut its prices, um, it, it's, it's, uh, and, and uh, ensure that its, its mobile network division uh, remains uh, financially relevant, right? So, mm. so it's, it's really in a difficult position where it's trying to compete with Vodacom and MTN, but the South African public have, have lost patience for the process. They've said, you know, we don't care. We want the prices low now. And so for a small player like Telcom, that leaves them zero time to ramp up to become a, a toe-to-toe competitor with Vodacom and MTN. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's why, you know, with, with Telcom's back to the wall, it's, uh, it's going great. Uh, you know, then we'll lock this process up in, in, in the courts. Yeah. The longer it drags out, the better. We're the ones who's sitting with twice as much spectrum as everyone else, basically. Um, and so Telcom doesn't have a spectrum or network capacity problem. It has a investment and, and a return on investment problem. Mm. It, it, it doesn't have nearly the subscriber base to sustain the level of investment that Vodacom and MTN can do. Yeah. And there's no help coming for it. You know, no sugar daddy with deep pockets um, coming to invest and, and buy its network and, and uh, yeah. trying to get it to a stage where it's competing aggressively against Vodacom and MPN. And so, uh, you know, we sit with this very interesting and complicated set of affairs in the mm. South African cellular space at the moment. Interesting indeed. But we move on to the Olympic Committee. Now, I like uh, this, this story. Thank this you very much. It's first official e-sports event. Thank you, Bayer. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm a little disappointed when I read the, the story that it's all sports games. Yeah. So it's, it's baseball and cycling <sighs> and rowing and, and, and stuff. So no, no strategy or tactical games, um, you know, like stuff that, that where video games can really shine. But, you know, it's a start, you know, an official yeah. e- Olympic eSports event. And, uh, and, you know, apparently chess is not an Olympic sport yet, but there's big noise mm. to make chess an Olympic sport. And so... Is skateboarding I, I think, in there? Uh, I don't see a skateboarding game. So no, no Tony Hawks, unfortunately, no, no. In, in the eSports uh, lineup. No, um, anyway. no we, we, are, uh, we are looking at, um, as I said, we're looking at rowing, cycling, sailing, and Gran Turismo, so so um, uh, car racing, and then and then baseball. Uh, so this is in, uh, uh, together with the video game publisher partners, so Konami, mm. Zwift, um, and then uh, some, and then uh, Gran Turismo, Polyphony Digital, mm. um, are, are the names that I recognise. Mm. Um, and but you know if the if if the doors can be opened, I think um, on on a on an old on an old fight like chess. Mm. Um, you know, because the, the the people arguing against the inclusion of chess in the Olympics have always said, but it doesn't require athletic ability, right? And so now we're kind of muddying the waters here by saying, okay, now we're going to have an esports event involving that that are virtualized versions of real physical sports. But I'm going, okay, well, if, if you know, th- these are like baby steps in that direction, and then you know we can open the door on a strategy game like chess. And that will then open the doors for perhaps um, something that video games, something, uh, you know, interesting that video games have to offer uh, from uh, strategic and tactical games, you know, whether it's StarCraft or, mm. um, or League of Legends or Dota 2 or um, whatever the case might be. 
Um, but uh, the, the the situation there, the other thing that I was thinking of is, you know, maybe we won't see games like Counter-Strike or Call of Duty because they're quite violent, mm. right? And mm. so maybe they don't want that in the Olympics. But, um, you know, something with cartoon violence like um, Dota 2 or League of Legends might be a might work. And, and it does have a kind of... It, it's the, the games are very tactical. And so it's just sort of like a more graphically advanced chess <laughs> Which, uh, and and it's on top of it they um, those games have become real spectator sports um which could be a real draw card for the olympics mm. um but yeah uh, it was it was a super interesting story uh and just a little disappointed that uh, the only one called real game in there is gran turismo um but yeah. i just yeah come on if you're playing chess, there is a muscle you're going to organize. You have to use, and that's your brain, right? Right, and 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 uh, anybody who plays esports, and and I'm pretty sure chess players will say the same thing, yeah. is that while you aren't trained, you know, like when you're doing javelin or or shot put or pole vault, you know, there are certain muscles in your body that have to be trained, and so um, with with something like chess or a, any kind of mind sport, your body still has to be healthy. So yes. even though you're not going to be you're not going to be ripped like a bodybuilder, the fact is you're still training your body because otherwise your mind is not performing at its optimal either. Spot on. And so there's definitely um, a physical component to these mind sports that are not, you know, thought of when people you know think about games like chess or even mm. um, you know Dota two. <clears throat> Well, exactly, Dodo, too. I must give that a go. Um, moving on to Rocker Mamas. This time we're not talking about them, um, you know, bullying little companies with <laughs> Smash Burgers. We'll talk about um, this this gigabyte Wi-Fi hotspot. Hello. Yes, so this was quite a surprise. And, and in fairness, I, I did write this, um, or, or I, I didn't write this, but I experienced this before the whole uh, drama on social media and uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hold a a small business owner responsible for a mistake that his corporate uh, exactly. owner would make. Exactly. And so this this franchisee in in Bloemfontein has put in a gigabit fiber line at at Rocker Mama's in Bloom, and we took it for a spin, and it's really good. Um, you know, like we we've had a chance to play with these kinds of fiber installations at Starbucks and so on, mm. and um, that's phenomenal. And right? and they perform and they perform well, but but often when you end up, you know, whether it's hotel Wi-Fi or restaurant Wi-Fi, the 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 actual Wi-Fi network is not rolled out and not designed correctly. Yeah, and so it it it, it can be backed by a ten gig, a hundred gig fiber connection, but when the the actual Wi-Fi link is too congested, then none of that matters, um, and and you get slow speeds. At, um, at this Rocker Mama's, uh, like it was pumping. It was it was really pleasant to use. And I went and chatted to the actual ISP who built the network. And I asked them, hey, how do you do this? And how do you make sure that the network continues to perform um, even, you know, if there's a lot of devices on it? And, and yeah, they, they chatted to me about it, told me what they did out there, what equipment they used. Um, and uh, and uh, really, really good work uh, from this small business owner, um, in Rocker Mamas to appeal um, to a demographic of customers that need, that that want 
this kind of thing in their restaurants, encourage people to come in um, and and sit down and, and have a you know have have some some uh, some waffles, some burgers, some beer, and uh, maybe get it. some work in in the mean in, in between yeah. all that. Um, and you know, and I, the, I'm, I'm glad you did what you did, Jan, because we mustn't also get into this, this this cancel culture BS, right? So I mean, maybe um, they could have done things differently with the smaller franchise. I mean, with the with the smaller business, right? But it doesn't now invalidate the whole Rocker Mamas. I mean, they run a flipping amazing business. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, if there's innovation added into this, and maybe not just innovation, doing things that other people should have been doing but they haven't, and getting a gigabit line in that actually works and works phenomenally well, we have to talk about that. Right. And and so uh, for those who are interested in um, – because the other thing that I chatted to the ISP about is rands and cents, right? So I said, how much would something like this cost a rock and mamas? And he said, so the initial setup cost – can be anywhere from four thousand to eight thousand rand, and that depends on mm. you know how big the, the premises are, and you know wh- how many hotspots are needed, and and that sort of thing. Um, and if you need a higher than normal speed, that cost can go up as well. Or if you want to support uh, a, uh, many more devices on the network mm. than than you know is usual in inverted commas, um, then that price can also go up. But then the monthly fee, it can vary anything from. Uh, 2,000 rand to 10,000 rand, depending, and that's for the one gigabit per second backhaul link, uh, because it all depends on whether they're going for a best effort service or a dedicated uh, business connectivity line. And and so um, I, I wanted to kind of highlight the, the, the big disparity uh, between a sort of consumer grade and a business grade connection. Um, and uh, and the, the the difference that uh, that amount of money can make in terms of performance, um, but yeah, two thousand rand a month um, is is not nothing uh, for a business, but it's also a, a pretty small expense um, for the amount of value that you can add to your customers. Um, yep. So uh, depending on on obviously the the area in which you operate, mm. location, 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 you know, as they always say. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the price of this has become so affordable um, that that in, um, in in more affluent areas, uh, this is becoming a no brainer to my mind um, mm. to to offer this kind of service for for your customers. Listen, I absolutely think that um, that that that. You know, at the end of the day, we we need to be focusing on these things and applauding and encouraging everybody else to do it as well. But let's let's move on. I want to. This is an interesting story I saw on my broadband. I'm going to keep you a bit longer. If that's fine. Unless you have a meeting to go to. No, no, no you're okay. my only meeting this morning. Okay, this is good. This is good. Now, Uber Eats, right? These orders may need to be more than one kilogram. Right. Or be delivered by the post office. What? What's this? <laughs> Yes, so uh, th- this is my colleague Hanu doing fantastic work to to make a uh, legal and regulatory challenge relevant to people's everyday lives. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the these services which we came to rely on a lot during lockdown are now being threatened by the post office because its its whole business model is being threatened. Right. So, the the, the people that that Hanu quotes in his article, I think. Um, uh, do a do a good job of of explaining the the, the silliness of the whole situation. So so firstly, um, this is this dates back to a court case brought by the South African Post Office against Postnet, 
mm. saying that PostNet is in violation of ICASA regulations, oh. blocking anybody from carrying um, uh, you know, any kind of postal uh, uh, object of under one kilogram, of a kilogram or less. And so it said, you know, PostNet uh, has been cannibalizing its business effectively and making it impossible for, for the uh, post office to effectively compete in the marketplace. And, um, you know, so now the post office has decided after decades and decades to take PostNet to court over this. PostNet got an interdict against the ruling or, or against, you know, the, the, uh, this um, case brought by the post office. Um, that allows it to continue delivering uh, small packages until the matter is heard in, by full bench of the Gauteng High Court. So mercifully, you know, there wasn't like uh, an urgent interdict brought to block this kind of thing. And so the whole thing has to be heard in, in the High Court now. But this has far-reaching implications for the uh, what they call extract, uh, express parcel industry. DHL, FedEx, yeah. UPS, Couriere, DSV, Globe, Fred, Ram, PostNet, you name them, right, are affected by this. And so um, here's, here's what Gary Marshall uh, from SIEPA, that's the South African Express Parcel Application, um, told us. And, and so uh, besides the fact that this will uh, cripple the, the courier industry in South Africa when we most need it, um, he explained that um, – you know, like the, the, the post office just did not uh, make sure that it stayed relevant with the times. He's like, you know, it's not – he said that courier companies didn't uh, set out to compete with the post office. It was meant to be complementary. Mm. They didn't compete with document uh, carriage. And it's not their fault that email came around and destroyed the post office's business there. Mm. Uh, the, the post office just – chose not to make itself more relevant and he highlights what happened with the german post office which owns dhl yeah one of the biggest players in the world and so they make money that way by providing international international couriering that's because a, you have the right people running the business it's a discussion i had with fakey mentor earlier this this problem with the stupid cater deployment is that you yeah. have ANC-linked people coming into organizations and effing them up fundamentally. Um, but we will continue talking. Jan Vermeulen, editor-at-large at mybroadband.co.za, getting back to our Carter deployment story. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Mark Barnes was there, and he was kind of, I don't know what your thoughts are, Jan. Uh, it looks like he was sort of on a decent-ish type of wicket, and then he just left. We we were quite critical of Mark Barnes mm. because, but we're critical of anyone of who, who who comes into um, a, a place making big promises who then doesn't deliver, right? And so, um, I don't know if Mark Barnes thought things were going to be easier than they ended up being, um, or, or what exactly happened there. Um, uh -huh. You know, all we know is that when he left, he said that there was this mismatch between him and the shareholder, being the government. Um, regarding the, 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 the direction of, of the South African post office. You know, he, he talked about, you know, establishing a post bank and, and making the post office a, a way to distribute um, everything from grant money to, to um, other government services, you know, to, to make it a, a hub for the disbursement of, of government services. And, uh, and unfortunately, you know, whatever vision Barnes had did not square up with uh, the, the the government or the ruling party, it seems, 
And so they parted ways. Um, the, the, the fact is that under Barnes, the post office did not um, uh, improve as promised. And I think what we took mm. major issue with was when Barnes would say that things had improved when they hadn't. And, and uh, we were, that's when we were most critical um, of, of his time at the post office. Mm. Um, you know, whether all of that was his fault or not, uh, will emerge in time, I expect. Um, but yes, the, the, there's a couple of things regarding your the, the points you raised on on uh, you know card deployment. So, so firstly, there's there's the problem of putting someone in a, a, a state-owned enterprise and then just keeping it going um, as it always has been, not innovating, uh, not doing anything interesting. Um, and it just puttering along, right? But that's not what happened with any of our state-owned enterprises. If, if only, you know, they, they were they were uh, made obsolete by the advancement of technology. No, the problem is that they were driven into the ground, right? ESCOM was looted. The the the, the post office, like uh, at the at the end of of our article, you know, we note that the SA uh, post office told us that. Um, uh, the the law which reserves its rights on parcels below one kilogram mm. is to allow it to make good on its universal service obligation. The post office complains that you know it doesn't get to charge according to the distance that items are transported, which means that private carriers can deliver items over profitable short distance routes, cannibalizing the post office's business, and then all that the post office is left with are unprofitable um, routes. Right, that that uh, courier companies. Uh, don't want to take on. And this is the exact same uh, type of argument that I heard from Telcom, you know, when when uh, w- they, they were taken on about, like, their various attempts to, uh, you know, uh, block telecommunications liberation in South Africa. And um, the, it's interesting that when these state-owned enterprises, their, their business models get threatened, this is their reaction, is to, is to try and legislate a monopoly for themselves. And the, the fact is that people would have kept using the post office if our post items would just get delivered and not stolen or, quote, unquote, lost in the system or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Right? I mean, it, it, it rots from the top at the end of the day, doesn't it? I mean, you either have good leadership or you don't. And if you have the right leadership, that should cascade all the way through to the bottom. One, one hopes so. I mean, Should, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the thing is, as a, as a good leader, if you start noticing <clears throat> an increase in complaints about people saying, my, my post is <clears throat> not getting to me unmolested, yes. right? Um, high, uh, even moderate value items yeah. are being stolen. Yeah. How can you operate a, a, a parcel delivery service? You know, if someone buys, you know, let's, a, a 200 rand item on Take-A-Lot and it just gets stolen, in transit, I mean, like no one will use you. Yeah. And so, uh, if if um, mm. if you ha- or have or a, a moderately good leader in that position, and you see this uptick, then you, I mean, regardless of what the unions say, regardless of the amount of employee unhappiness, you come down like a ton of bricks. Um, yes, there are going to be plenty of good people in the post office who did not cause this problem, but the the bad apples have to be rooted out. And otherwise, you end up in a situation like we have today. Mm. The whole the whole institution is unviable now um, because the rot was allowed to set in. So now, now, what do we do? Do we bail it out? Do we do we let it die 
and rely purely on private carriers or the German Postal Service in the form of DHL to handle to handle our deliveries. I mean, it's a it's a difficult situation to be in, but make no mistake. But the post office has no one to blame but itself. You know, it's got some of the most, well, it did, I don't know, some of that's been eroded. They've got some of the best infrastructure around on which to deploy many things, right? But, I mean, if you don't, at the end of the day, should you turn it around? If you can get the right people, it's a strategic asset, I think. Um, yeah. Unlike and, SAA, it's a very strategic asset. So, Well, SAA is also a strategic asset, and maybe oh. I'll make myself unpopular for saying that. Now, having a flag carrier is an incredibly useful thing. Um, just like having a, 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 a domestic broadcaster, like having, having stuff under sovereign control there um, gives you freedom that you wouldn't otherwise have. Like imagine relying purely on other countries for travel in and out of South Africa, right? Mm. Um, you know, then that way only the rich have, have access to… Yeah, but the poor, um, the poor can't fly SAA in any case, dude. I mean, you, you still have… You, sure, sure, but the middle class yeah. can. Right? Yeah, no, for so, sure. So and and now now you know we're in a situation where South Africa let's look at it right now South Africa is barred from the rest of the world mm. right effectively because of the quote unquote South African variant of the of the mm. COVID nineteen um, uh, you know virus yeah. and and so um, you know uh, if if all of our if all of the airlines at our disposal are under foreign control we have zero control over our freedom of movement around the world as a country. And so, I mean, there, there is an argument to be made that it's a, that it's a strategic asset, but there's also an argument to be made that we need to build a new one. Like if it's if it's if it's yeah. in such a bad state, then liquidate it and start from scratch. Um, so, I mean, the, the post office part of its uh, part of its strategic value is the amount of property that it has access to around the country. Mm. It can't make good on its rent payments, and it's being kicked out of malls. Um, yeah. because because it doesn't have cash to, to pay its obligations. Mm. And so that strategic value is being rapidly eroded. Um, and so, you know, uh, in, 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 the, in the, the case of both companies, I'm not an economist. Um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm punching well above my weight class here when it comes to how to fix these problems. Um, but the, 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 the fact is, that the, the 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 puttering along as they are now, mm. and and allowing the post office to uh, carve out a monopoly for itself in an industry that it cannot serve mm. because it does not have the capacity anymore, um, is idiocy. We'll, yeah, we'll but I mean, you can you can you can, you can you you can. <sighs> I still think we need to have a post office, but we just don't have the right people. Yes. If there are the right people in place, you can compete against. Just think about it. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's Uber Eats and Mr. D, if you look at what they charge restaurants, it's, it's bloody crazy. Right. Right. If we could have someone with half a brain cell going in, going, listen, and, and from a competitive strategy point of view, look at the business model, strip out the rubbish you don't need, keep the things that can strategic, because that's the other thing. At the end of the day, right, if you want to turn something around, it's all about cash flow. Um, right. And if you can't ensure cash flow through a competitive advantage that you can also execute on, then yes, you shouldn't be running the business. But surely you can find people who are able to take this thing and even semi-privatize the damn thing. Give government 51%. Yeah. So, so you need, you need the, like, like Telcom right now, right? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it took Telcom years to, to turn itself around, and it, it took an existential threat you know, to the point where Telcom is actually 
it's quite on the ropes at the moment. Like it yeah. still has a, a, a you know, it, it's still holding on uh, in terms of its fixed line network, but but that's been eroded heavily by uh, Vumatel and and the other big fiber network operators, and its mobile network can't hold a candle to to the others. Um, but it's at least embarked uh, probably a good ten years ago. Um, on a on a turnaround strategy that's that's starting to bear fruit, um, and it'll be the same thing with the post office. But you need the political will to do that. You need someone who can stand up to the unions, and uh, and where the government won't just overrule them when they're unpopular, right? And finding and and our government has just not mm. demonstrated that it has the backbone to make those kinds of difficult decisions because they <laughs> backbone, are I'd move a bit, uh, worried about being reelected. Backbone, I'd go a bit lower. fixing the country. <laughs> You're talking about not having the backbone. I say I'd go a bit lower. But um, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you will need, you will need a, a brass, uh, brass spherickles <laughs> to, uh, to, to take on a project like this. And so, you know, I, I, I do tip my hat to Mark Barnes for giving it a, a college try. A good go. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Yad, great chatting to you as always, mate. <laughs> it's Keep well. our, our last show together, but I'm sure we'll be doing more online stuff. Don't you worry. It will oh, be. Excellent. Kino, it, it's been a pleasure, and we'll chat again soon. Absolutely. When I buy my broadband.co.za, we get enough funding. Um, Jan will be the chief executive. <laughs> and I think, who's, who's the founder? I know, eh? Uh, 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 Rudolph. Rudolph. I think. Uh, I think we. Uh, uh, yeah, he can retire. Yeah, he can retire. Become chairman of the board if he likes. But anyway, Jan, you must have a good one. You too, Cheers, mate. There we go. Jan Vermeulen, editor at large at mybroadband.co.za.